0: Yeah, rapper right up podcast, Elliot Wilson. My name is B Dot. B Dot, what's up, baby? I'm feeling good feeling that uh Janelle Monet conversation.
1: You like the like the Miss Janelle Monet, man. The lady that lady was- on the podcast, man. They say we're misogynists, man. <laughs> that's you,
0: brother. That's you. That <laughs> was a good that was a good talk with Janelle. And I think I'm gonna have to take her advice on going on trips and stuff. She did mention that uh about Mexico. And I was like, yeah, I did go to Mexico after our, our conversation. So I'm gonna take her advice. And yeah, she challenged us at the end, man. You know, let's get get our lives together, man. <laughs> like
1: we, we got to get our stuff together. All we do is care about work and killing and doing yeah, great man. podcasts. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, but you know what? Today is Hip Hop Day, man. August eleventh, we're taping this right now. This is the actual birthday of Hip Hop, man. Oh man, Hip, shout out to Hip Hop. Hip Hop saved
1: our lives, man. Yo, man, I want to ask you, man. I'm, let's get our Brown Sugar on, man. Because I actually don't even know the answer. What was <laughs> what are your what are your early memories of Hip Hop? beat out? like, what was the what was your entry point? what did I fall in love with hip hop what did you fall in love with hip-hop v Don <laughs> I'm the double I'm the editor of double
0: XL yeah <laughs> shout out to Sanaa. I think my <laughs> earliest memory was probably like honestly MC Hammer crisscross like wow Oh, the early 90s stuff yeah man I had a hammer doll and it came with a tape of like oh. two legit to quit <laughs>
1: I remember seeing Hammer on, like I had just got BET, like in the late 80s. Like it took a while for us to get cable or whatever in Queens, West side Queens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember getting early days of BET, and I remember the Let's Get It Started, the original one he did, or Turn This but one of the early videos he had the troop, he had the troop uh, tracksuit on. Yeah. And like when he came out with the video, it was like a low budget video, and the way he was dancing and rapping and said, I was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like 16, 17. I'm like, this is like, I've never seen no hip hop like this. Like it just looked insane to me. Like he just, his energy, like, and plus, he looked like a grown-ass man. He didn't look like a kid. Right. And this shit just bugged me out. Like, this guy had all this energy. Like, Hammer was like, yeah. And then and then he goes super pop with it in the 90s and, like, can't touch this. And that shit is like... I remember seeing people's grandma, like, buy that shit at Tower Records. Like, Yeah. Like, that shit was crazy. People forget Hammer. I see it, all this shit about Vinny talk. Nobody mentions Hammer. That's a fact. Yo, yeah, man, come on, man. Yo, they forget right? about Hammer. Yo, we got to get Hammer. <laughs> fuck fuck Hammer, that. We going to get Hammer. <laughs> We gotta get Hammer. We gotta get Hammer on the podcast, man, fuck that. You know, he's back. But right. He's from Oakland. like the white My wife, Danielle, he's married to the town. You know what I'm saying? Oakland, man. MC Hammer, baby. I think we have to make that call, Elliot. But also, you know, I, the other ones I, I, I always keep digging up really changed. My life was running the MC, you know, growing up man. in Queens. Um, I don't think they get the credit for being that group that really first brought hip-hop to the world to me. You know what I mean? Nationwide, Five. worldwide, global. And I think with Queens, like, like, I wanted to get your take, like, being from Southside, like, how prideful are you when, like, the Lost Boys blow up or 50 Cent blows up? Like,
0: how does that connect to you being from that neighborhood? Yeah, I mean, for Lost Boys, if people don't know, Legal Drug Money is my personal favorite rap album of all time because it sounds like the neighborhood. It sounds like the community. So when they were popping, it was a big deal, you know, like, they they even formed, like, this little street gang in Queens. They would terrorize the neighborhoods. And then it was 50 Cent. <laughs> how old were
1: you at the time? How old were you at the time? I, I was a teenager,
0: course. like, you know, 13, yeah. 14. And yeah, then yeah. when 50 Cent blew up, it was like, yes, we had one. We, it was so prideful because, you know, Queens was dormant for a long time. Yeah, And, um, you know, it's funny you mentioned Run-DMC because I think about DMC on Suck MCs, you know, he said he's light-skinned. He lives in yeah, Queens. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah.
1: Elliot. That was my shit. <laughs> D, I was doing that at 11. I was sticking my chest out. I was like, I love chicken and collard greens. My grandma, <laughs> my grandma Lucille Wilson would make that for me. Nanny, she used to make me fried chicken. That's all she'd make me. And french fries and collard greens. Come on, that I, I said that with my chest, man, when I was 11, man. I was like, you couldn't tell me nothing. That's what's you know, up, man. Nah, it definitely was prideful. And I think that's the thing, too. It's like, why do you think we had such Queens pride, too? Like, I feel like, you know, like you said, Queens may have been dormant in that part. But at the end of the day, man, you can't really, you can't dismiss Queens's contributions to hip-hop, man.
0: Yeah, man. I think we still have that chip on our shoulder from that damn KRS-One.
1: <laughs> damn you, KRS-One. <laughs> <laughs> the bridge is over.
0: Yeah, that was yeah, a hard one, know, man. Queens is, is a prideful place. I mean, it's very, it's a blue-collar kind of borough, you know, and we get it out the mud. And I think yeah. we, we take pride in that. Yeah, we like,
1: you know, the Harlem guys think they fly. The Brooklyn guys think they're cool. Or, you know, we had to the, the show them, man. We had everything off. Run right? DMC to 50 Cent to, you know, Q-Tip, everybody, man. It's, it's, right. I
0: think, you know, I'll put our burrow against anybody, man. I, I think it. we have the, the greatest groups of all time and pound for pound, probably the best rappers, so.
1: Okay, we'll go into that. That's L-O- a
0: conversation. LL Kun J on the podcast <laughs> one day, right, LL? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be bananas.
1: <laughs> Yo, B, Meatball. He's the L.E.S. and Meatball. <laughs> nah, but you know why, Joy, this guest we had today, man,
0: Sauce Walker. Sauce Walker. Oh. That guy, this is a great interview, Bida. He's a great conversation, man. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's quietly doing his thing, you know, out in Houston. It's like he's making millions on, he's a legend in two games, put it like that.
1: Oh, man. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's legalizing a certain way of, uh, with the
0: ladies that uh, that is very unique. <laughs> right. Let's look it that way. But you know what's so ill about him just having this conversation because I listened to um, the Ghetto Gospel Three project and I felt like I might have slept on it. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, yo, this guy's really like he's incredible. He's a great rapper and amazing storyteller. And um, I think he has just a lot,
1: a lot to say. Yeah, we definitely was. I definitely was sleeping on him too. man. I, and going back, like you said, that that Ghetto Gospel. I guess he drops them every December. Yeah. So they, it kind of could get lost in the shuffle at the end of the year. But yeah, like the opening, like. It's like track, the first couple of tracks on there, like the, I think track three to track seven or so. He's telling some, it's some real soulful shit and he's telling some great yeah. stories. Like, it's like, yo, we, we've just, I've heard his name for so long and he said I met him back in the day, but like I hadn't really connected to his music until it was time to do this interview. And like, I'm a, I'm a new fan, man. I really feel like he's dope. And I feel like this interview is a great introduction of him to the public that may not be up on this, on his shit and also the ones that are riding for him. Like, he's got a strong fan base already. So I think this is like the ultimate interview he's done so far. That represents his career.
0: You yeah, know? definitely. I thought it was dope how you told that story about how he met you years ago. And, yeah, you, know, you gave him the pat on the back and keep working, kid.
1: <laughs> <we> keep working. But, <laughs> well, yeah, I didn't, di- I didn't diss him though. I was a good guy, man. That's way go. I didn't diss that guy. And look at you. He went on to be a successful rapper. So, there we go. But, nah, this is definitely a great conversation, man. This guy's full of personality, man. You could have sat there
0: and did another hour, right, B? Absolutely. Yeah. Easily. Easily. But, but we got you know, him down. Did. Now, so we <laughs> cut it down. We gave, gave it to you a good hour. And good hour, some hour. Some good solid hour. Good
1: solid hour or so, yes. man. You know how we do, man. Rap right up Podcast at the standard of these interviews, man. The gold standard out there. That's right. He gave hey, us our hey, props, man. too. So dive, dive in, it. man. Dive in, man. Enjoy it, man. This new episode, man, features our guy Sauce Walker. On the Rap Radar right Podcast. Rap Radar right Podcast. Yeah. Yeah, rapper radio podcast. Elliot Wilson. My name is
0: Beat I. What's up, baby? We got the sauce, man. Long time coming. <laughs> oh, <wait.
1: laughs> <laughs> man, man, what's going on? me. he's like, yo, finally, man. What's what's going on, man? It's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication to put myself in this situation. <laughs> yeah. for sure, for sure. But it feels like I mean, we're ten years in now, right? Absolutely. That's right crazy. In, this is
2: the tenth year, right here. It feels like it's been eleven and twelve, but now nah, this make it for a decade. I probably. Officially, I got out. I got out of jail 2013, mm. and I blew up like towards the end of that year, beginning of 2014.
1: Too legit it, to quit it became a, like a regional hit record at that moment. Before it went national, too legit to quit it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said we had met back in the day. That's exactly cool.
2: when we met. Right around that time. It was, uh, it, it, that's why it's, it's really amazing. It's it's, it's brazen. It's a. It's a full circle moment for me right now, meeting you, yeah. Way That was like— Was it South by? No. That was oh. in Houston, 2013, oh, I wow. think it was. Maybe 14 at the most. Yeah. Uh, that was a—it uh, was like a little uh, music—it uh, com- uh, uh, wasn't no convention nothing like that. Yeah. It was like a listening party or something. It was uh, G. Uh, Luck, Latoya Luckett's brother,
1: okay, Gavin yeah.
2: Luckett, and— um, my brother uh, B. Don Brandon, like, one of the producers from Houston, the uh, GMB Productions. Not to think, make it all about me,
1: I think it was something like, uh, Devi Death had me out there. Yeah, That's what oh, it was. Yeah. That's what it was.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we
1: met at that party. We met at that That's party. Dope, right. We met at that dope. party. And
2: I wasn't I was no superstar at that point. I was like nobody. I was just like a little...
1: Is Shane's not looking like this yet?
2: Nah, never, I, like I got a little baseball judge <laughs> at the chillers, but they told me who you was, and I ran up on you, and I was... Oh, yeah, I'm so welcome, man. i am be the biggest star that you ever seen thus far. And outside, I got a Mercedes-Benz car, and this is who I are, Nah, nah, nah. You was like... Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like um, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> this, this guy got a lot of energy. <laughs> and Then, next thing you know, I think they ended up playing some of my music. Then, now, I did a performance, and at the end of the night, you had asked for my information. You was like, who, okay. is, who, is, who am I, whatever. See, then, like, I they
1: know. say I, I rejected your talent. <laughs> you know? Nah, I didn't up
2: Cause you know, you know, you just ain't never seen all the energy and like how I was, how I am, you know, I was yeah. just always yeah. been different. You said you're hyper, right? Like Yeah, like, extremely hyper. Yeah. Like overly hyper. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I got I got a an extra exerted amount of energy. It's just that I always gotta get the energy out of me, because I'm like a big old battery. I just store energy. So I gotta always
0: put it out to keep me level. Mm. Seems they got a lot of energy behind this new single you got right now, Only, fans. Only fans. That's that thing. Come on with the dribbling
2: if you want to <laughs> Only Fans. <laughs> yeah, that's my new single, man. You know, I had a lot of success on Only Fans in real life, mm. so it just made sense for me to make a song about it. It's something that's fun that everybody can enjoy, everybody can dance to, you know what I'm saying, um... Also, the content creators can, you know, just be more inspired and more motivated to create content, to share knowledge, or just whatever that talent is.
1: You're really living it. You're you're expressing yourself on your OnlyFans account. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Are you it's subscribing? I really like you? that. Yeah, I, I did take a quick look. And, it, I want I, I, I my $30 back. So spent, it's a lot, there's a lot of you on hey, there, my guy. Don't worry
2: hey, about that. No boy, boss. Hey, that boy ain't bumping
1: because it's $10. <laughs> but it's, a,
2: it's, a, it's a lot of fine wine women on there. Uh, too, yeah, I, was, I
1: came for that. It's, it's a lot of fine wine women. Win a little left,
2: though. Win a
0: <laughs> little left. You know? But why yeah. do you think you're so successful on that platform? I mean, a lot of
2: women like me. A lot of women want to have wanted to work with me in that mm-hmm. area before I'm um, you know, uh, beautiful women is like a part of my whole rap persona. It's a part of my whole image. It's been a part of my lifestyle before I rap. I've always had beautiful women in my life. And mm-hmm. um, they, I've always been a- attractive to beautiful women. So when it came out to where you can make money legitimately and legally during COVID when a lot of people was like, losing off, finan- uh, fi- falling off financially and wasn't having the same opportunities that they had. Was- a lot of artists wasn't touring. A lot of artists wasn't performing. Wasn't getting paid those 50, 60, 100, 200,000-dollar shows. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm generating three, four 400,000-dollar every two weeks. Because mm. right, everybody had to sit in the house and stream. Streaming became the most it became the, the biggest way for people in America to pass time during that moment was to watch things going streaming platforms, yeah. whether that was podcasts, whether that was OnlyFans, whether it's music videos. And by me being an independent artist, I already understood the formality and the formation of making the residuals and the monthly revenue from having, from owner, the ownership of your streaming and your uh, your music, uh, your electronics. Yeah. So I've always had my my YouTube, my Spotify, my iTunes, all that has all been syndicated and paid out through one source for, to me. Throughout the majority of my career, mm. through my distribution situation, so I've already empire, right? No, nah, this way before, way before empire. empire. This way gotcha. before empire. Empire is a new partnership that I'm trying out. You know what gotcha, saying? gotcha. Now, I love it. Though. I, I, love, I love the whole staff and the team over there. But I've been had a different um, situation with a different distribution um, company way before that. But right. I've been independent my entire career. I've never had no funding or nothing like that. So I really understand um, generating money from admins and plays and streaming and stuff like that. Mm. So it just made sense. To convert that same strategy of monopolizing streaming through music videos and and um, audio because you get paid twice. Mm-hmm. the same song mm-hmm. that you release as an audio when you release it as a music video. That's a sipping. Payment revenue stream. Yeah, it's the seventh, uh, seventh level of revenue, and then you can also multiply that and put that same song on multiple different platforms. So your Spotify check is not your iTunes check. Your iTunes check not your title check. Your title check not your uh, Pandora check. These mm-hmm. are all different platforms that's paying you different amounts of money for the amount of streams that you're able to accumulate. So I just took that same formation and put that with the OnlyFans and just made multiple accounts for each person account that I managed, and it just made sense. Oh, managing other people's accounts, too. Yeah,
0: uh, for sure. You vertically integrated, man.
1: I just got to make money. (laughs) That, too. How did you become so knowledgeable about business? Because you you preached that, like, 10 years in, independent career on your own terms. But, you know, you talk about making passive income. Like, how did you become so knowledgeable of the business? I'm from Houston, Texas. And uh, being from Houston and me just being very a cultural person, like, it always
2: made sense for me to retain ownership. I always, I came into the rap game with a certain amount of money. I wasn't just like the richest person in the world, but I had already cracked six figures. I already understood what it felt like to have two, three, four hundred thousand dollars to my name, if not much more. Mm. But I, especially like reoccurring, going back and forth. Like, you know what I'm saying? When I met you, I had, I, was well, like you said, there wasn't these size chains on, but I had some chains the jerseys and diamonds, <laughs> little gold grid, whatever. I was like, yeah. you know what I'm mm. I saying? Was, I was always coming up. I had a Benz outside, Mercedes Benz. Outside, you know, I was always like able to um, generate some type of revenue to invest into myself. Mm-hmm. So once you already have a certain amount of money and you you begin a, and you start a company and it reaches some type of success, it's kind of like your baby. It's kind of like your child for number one. So you don't want to sell something that you created for number one. But from a business standpoint, it's a lot of people that create businesses and cre- create systems that don't generate money within the first Two years, or first year, they have to be in a hole. That they got to wait on their return, their investment. I start making money immediately. I start trying to be a rap artist. So by me starting making money immediately from doing shows, features, and concerts, and I'm also receiving checks from my streaming from all of the albums mm-hmm. that I released, I started looking at my albums like a neighborhood, like a each or apartment complex. Each mm-hmm. album is an apartment complex. Each song is a unit. If mm-hmm. I'm making six, $700 to $1,500 to $2,500 per song, a month from a 20-song album, that's a whole apartment complex. Mm. Why would I sell, sell that, the um, sell my catalog or sell those albums just to get a loan of money? Yeah. So like me just being from Houston and seeing so many of the the legends and the stars come out before me, stay independent and then have yep. longevity of still having money 20, 40 years, 30 years past they they heyday or they, they, they prime.
1: That's what's up. You said Lil Flip still driving
2: the Rolls Royce. Yeah, so yeah. Lil Flip still driving the Rolls Royce, the <laughs> Slim Thug driving 15 cars, switching cars whenever you want to because he never sold his catalog. And even when they got record deals, they was able to leverage them, leverage their situation to where they didn't have to sell everything that they own to get some money or to yeah. get some, some support. So I just wanted to put myself in a situation where I always owned the neighborhoods that I created that, made me a millionaire before I decided or decide to work with a major company.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm. I just, I don't know.
0: It makes sense. I just want to learn it before I do it. Absolutely. How'd you learn about those taxes? Because you talked about that on South Beach, Florida. Like, you pay $2 million yeah, in taxes? I
2: mean, I mean uh, once again, like, me paying a te- When you managing all of these different people's accounts and you making so much money from a streaming service. this money is being accounted for. So, say, for instance, if one of the models that's um, being managed under the company or whatever, she make $3 million that that year. You can only write off so much of that money because these are all personal expenses for a person, more or less, in the business, even though this person has an LLC up under their name. There's only so much that you can write off for makeup and and travel and surgeries and stuff like that. Mm. So, I mean, when you making a lot of money, it, it may pan out if you're not making a lot, but once you start making a lot of money, you got four different accounts, five different models or whatever, going up and down. You got to pay the taxes on that every year. And me just being a supportive person and understanding person, I'm not going to let nobody fall short on their taxes because in the midst of them making the money and enjoying the success, they wasn't thinking about the financials. Then at the end of the year, you have to pay a certain amount of this back to the government. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's just all comes with financial literacy. and That's just like something that I try to teach and help people with around me that, just because you make money don't mean that you have them all the money that you're making. That's why you have to always have the unburning, the burning desire to continue to make money. Uh, you gotta always wanna make money. And the true goal is to make money when your body is not physically moving. The, the best money is this passive money, residual income, money that's being generated when you're not physically trying to make it because of some move or some investment or some system that you set in place that's already, you know what I'm saying, re- re- recycling your dollar. That's what I try to preach to people the most. Because if you have money that's making money for you when you're not consciously trying to make money, then when you h- get hit with those bills that come um, random or later on, yeah, you know what I'm yeah. saying, you're prepared for them. you always prepared for a rainy day because you always have extra money rolling in. Extra fi- finances. So that's why you flourished in the pandemic. Absolutely, I flourished <laughs> before the pandemic. The <laughs> pandemic just, it just set a stage to show some people wasn't exactly what they were rapping about and some mm-hmm. people are exactly what they rapping about. And I just so happened to be on that other other side of that spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Yo, Walker, you got your CPA on the
0: low or something,
2: man? Yeah, I have a CPA, <laughs> but before I had a CPA, I just I always, I've been smart. I play stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I've been smart. I'm not as smart as I could be or I should be because, you know, I, I spend a lot of my time dripping or, you know, having fun mm-hmm. video games. Well, not video games no more like I used to, but like anime, mm-hmm. just doing other shit that's not necessarily like seeking knowledge or, you know what I'm saying, strengthening my my psyche, but sometimes I do. But I've read a lot of books growing up, like Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, so the 48 Laws of Power, 48 Laws of Seduction, mm-hmm. um, all type of books. Some books, I don't, you know, i think a lot of stuff, Man,
0: you know? It's interesting because, like you said, it's like two sides of Source Walker, right? You have this, like, larger-than-life, Larry Flint kind of persona. Then musically, you're, like, super deep and conscious, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm out of those people. I mean, I'm forever. Oh wait, the kid that did
2: not the kid that did. The reason why the sauce word was written, the pastor, the master from here to Alaska to make the bread come faster. You my head going to action. You know what I'm saying? That's me. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm really dripping. I'm really splashing in real life. But at the same time, it's a it's a it's a science behind the madness. It's a, a it's a structure and a red print behind everything that I do and the experiences that I've been through in life and the things that I've seen. Have downloaded in my brain in such a way that I can always regurgitate or, or, or reenact or, or rewrite these experiences or things that I've seen somebody else go through or just pain that I feel or loss that I felt or, or loss that I've seen other people go through. Cause you know, it's a difference between struggling and then actually like losing people that you love or losing, uh, uh, a child or something like that, that's a that's not, that's that's not a different level than just struggle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can struggle your whole life, but struggle with the people that you love and you still got to make good memories and build a stronger bond, but you still got through your whole life with your mother, your father, your sisters, and brothers. You got people that had to witness their mothers and fathers die in their arms and things like that that i experienced. Mm-hmm. experienced. Like, so like my me being on FaceTime with my little brother, Gohan, while my mama dead in his arms, while she's on her way to drive to Houston, to come to move, to Houston with me. My, my little brother and got a FaceTime me with my mama dead in his arms crying. And boogers coming out, no, like, we've seen this, I've seen so much in life to where I feel like a, a, a duty or a job or like I feel uh, a responsibility to use my knowledge and my experience and my platform to give some type of guidance or some type of soothing or healing or just even if I could provide someone a skill set or information to just make them a better person or make them better prepared for some of the things that happened to me unexpectedly that I just had to deal with. Mm. I'll be hoping that my music can help them do, through that at times because I know that's what it done for me. But at the same time, I don't like to get too make sad music so much or make heartfelt music so much that I get taken out the space of being an entertainer and mm. taken out the space of being mm-hmm. a you know, a, a, a hit making artists or exciting or artists or artists that people make listen to in the club or just, mm. you know, to feel good and have fun. So sometimes I have to do, be, a, be my other self and you know, be, the, be obnoxious and be crazy or just in, <laughs> exciting and just, cause that's still me too. Mm. And the things that I rap about on the other side of my artistry is like also things that I've been through that made me who I am. You know what I'm saying? Made me have more money, made me more successful, made me have a certain perspective towards relationships with women or just life in general, I wouldn't change my style or my build-up or my makeup for nothing. I feel like it made me the warrior and the super saiyan that I am in the rap game. Mm. That's why I've been able to be in the rap game for 10 years independently, and I'm still relevant. I'm still a talk of the industry at all times. I'm still frequently listening to Spotify numbers, stay in the millions, like, you know? I'm feels, sitting here with Elliot Wilson, yeah. All of <laughs> the, the greats and the legends need to come on rap right now. But if
1: some about the dangerous Derringer mm-hmm. and like the energy around you right now. It just feels like you' are about to take it to another level. Do you feel that? Yeah, because
2: I'm finally acting like a rapper. Not mm. <laughs> just the honest to god truth. I usually yeah. don't. I usually don't really act like a rapper. Like I, I rap, but I'm like, like everybody. Anybody that knows me and follows me knows that over everything, I'm a hustler. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, um, I've been rapping for so long at such a high level, and especially at a, comp- a competitive level. But also, again, retaining the purpose in the the the, the game plan of never signing to a major record label. Like, well, it's just been my personal desire and mm-hmm. just want to just break the mold and do something different. But I also understand the disposition that it always put me in, too. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? For some artists or for some people, it makes sense for them to sign a major record label, like it was a major disc to get to where they're going faster. I'm chasing something different. But with understanding that handicap that, I, that I've taken, you got to understand that I've been rapping for so long with the understanding of knowing I'm going to be successful regardless if I take the... I wouldn't say it's the easy route being signed, but rather I take the professional route or I take the independent route, I know mm-hmm. I'm going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So now I have to pick what styles of raps and what genres I want. I would like myself to fall up under between this five-year span and then the next five-year span. Then that's my first decade. Now I'm moving to my next decade. And then each, each different artist, a different chapter of my artistry that I allow people to fall in love with that's a different generation of people that's gonna mm-hmm. support. And they might grow up and mature too. And now they want to hear the ghetto gospel. Now they done been yeah. through some things in life to where they want to understand. Because a lot of people that got, first got on Sauce Walker from the ooey and the drip and the you know the pimp rap and the sauce and all that, they only know me from when they was in high school and middle mm-hmm. school. And then they went to college and went through whatever. And then they stopped listening to Sauce Walker. Other things came in their life. But then they come back to Sauce Walker, ghetto gospel. Yeah. Mm. So I would say more that it's like I strategically knew when it was time to pull that out, to pull pull that style of rap out and and get the bigger audience or get the audience, the true hip-hop heads that really respect the art form and the difficulty and the skill set of having lyricism, being a storyteller and being able Mm -hmm. to spread a message that's actually like has substance to it and meaning to it that people can live on with. I always say I try to make Timeless music instead of hit music, but yeah. I still can make hit records. I, I was known for making hit records and regional hit records and like just blowing up off of in the, um, viral moments of music before I started doing all the crazy antics and just exploring the internet when I realized, oh, it's really easy to make money off Instagram. Like, this is like a, 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 a your Instagram page is like a black card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So once I just kind of realized that I kind of de- de- diversified my hustle to like, okay, I'm doing the drip rap, I'm, I'm rapping, and the world's still in my style, and I'm, I'm having this, this incredible influence. But I don't wanna, I don't wanna break my, my original game plan and go sign a record deal to feel like I gotta compete. So now I gotta find other ways to make even more money, even though I was already making a lot of money from rapping and shows and mm-hmm. features and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, uh, it's just like a college basketball player. You play college, you get past a certain level, you go to the Sweet 16 or whatever that shit is, Final Four, you try to win. If you don't win, now the next thing to do is to go get your, your major contract. And once you get your first rookie contract and you pass it, then you go re-up for the big contract. Mm-hmm. It's a little different in the music industry if you don't have a catalog in place.
0: Yeah.
2: And that you you, can't, you have nothing to fall back on without that catalog in place. It's like now you have, kids have the opportunity now, what's it called, IRL or whatever, that you can make you a couple million dollars to be sitting on before you even go to the actual league and mm-hmm. make more millions. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of the same thing. If you're able to, most people are not able to generate no catalog that make money. I always made a catalog that make money. So it was like, I just knew it was a time to switch over to a different style of rap that they still me, because originally I always rapped, the, I rapped the ghetto gospel style and the, the struggle and the pain and yeah. the, the mm-hmm. consciousness. That was way before the south shit. Mm-hmm. Like the south shit came after when I started living like that. When the, yeah. that happened to my life, in real life. It's I got happened. out of jail, women start spoiling me. I just started getting out of these different, <laughs> right. women spoiling me, right. and they start spoiling me and shit. I follow my leadership, my life changed. So it's like, I don't want to rap about sad shit and struggling and pain no more, but there will be a time to use that again. Yeah. So I'm gonna just
1: put that, keep that in my repertoire, keep that in the... Yeah, why did it become a staple of like, December to drop that Ghetto Gospel series? And, like, what, what does that symbolize to you, that series? I mean, it symbolizes uh, uh, so many different things. But one of the main things that it symbolizes
2: is that I'm one of the best rappers to ever live, like, mm. lyrically. I'm, I'm arguably one of the best people to put stories together. Mm. And this is not my opinion. Mm-hmm. This has been the opinion of greats and people that in the past, I didn't. How many people you get to get Jay Z, the likes of the Jay Zs and DJ premieres and uh, uh, the Dangers, Swiss Beats, Swiss yeah. Beats, Kanye's, Busta like, Rhymes, dapping Busta. you, duck
1: dapping you on
2: stage, man. Like
1: come
2: <laughs> on. I'm, I'm Busta Rhymes kids, two of Busta Rhymes sons. I'm my favorite rappers. Mm, That's like one real? of the things that really made me, me and Buster Ron's relationship so strong is because his kids put him on me and like had him listening to me for like months and months and years, like wow. this, this this dude. So I was walking, like, dad, you gotta get on him, get on him, like he's the truth, he, he's special artist, he, he this, he that, whatever, whatever. But Buster is like, Man, this little dude, this little nigga remind me of me. Like, he seen a wide and the way yeah. I act and you know what I'm saying, just the, the the clothes, the colors, the videos. Yeah, and he he was just mind bottled by like, damn, this little dude from Houston, but he really got bars and he he really got lyrics. But he crazy. He not afraid to be himself. But like, damn, I need to meet him type shit. So, shit, when I was in New York, and then it was right too. I, I actually had met Busta Rhymes. Some years before that in, uh, in LA, it, uh, I forget what who video shoot it was, but um he had told me then that he had been seeing me and he was like, so he was giving me my credit and the salute and shit. This way back then, we had took a, a picture, one of the first viral pictures that went viral on my Instagram, uh, Bus had a big ass dragon, pinky ring with a dragon car with a green emerald, and I had a big diamond, pink splash earring. I mean a uh, pinky ring, we took a picture with our fingers mm-hmm. locked. And he it was like some he was like he was saying he was passing the choice to me back then before I even achieved something. Mm-hmm. much of the shit that I so he really been like following my career for years. But his sons who really like solidified the relationship, like this is our favorite rapper, like you need to you need to get around him, like this who we think the best rapper out of everybody, like <laughs> he can he can rap like this, but then he can rap like this. Yeah. And he get on these bars, and he can hit you with this and it's still bars in the drink. That and this and it. so when I met him, like it was like a Uh, It was a heartfelt moment for him because he was like, my relationship with his sons through music brought him and his sons closer together. Mm -hmm. Because that was something that they could always come to the table and talk to, talk about and relate to. And like, he just told me that was something big in their family, Sauce Walker, and like they related on a big uh, big note on that. So it was like a I I met his sons like on the phones and stuff, and in New York, and then at the BET Awards, I got to meet the whole family and everything. And it was a big surreal moment because we had all been talking for like about two years now. How long Mm -hmm. it's been since I first posted the stuff? We was out in the studio recording the records and stuff. And Buster just gave me a lot of game and a lot of knowledge and a lot of honor. And he really be on me like a father figure too, though. Like he really be like telling me certain shit about like how I need to be professional I answer the phone or, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> carry myself a certain type of way yeah. around people or just like, he always got nothing but positive, king, empowering energy to give me. But again, that's another one of the greats and one of the icons who look at me as like one of the best lyricists out right now. Yeah. And yeah. they understand. They're the ones who tell me like, boy, you know, if you would have been signed to deal, you would have did this. Or boy, you know, if you would have, you know, boy, you know what I'm saying? But, you know. It feels the same as getting a Grammy, a nomination or award mm. for a Swiss Beast or Jay Z or, you know, these are the, again, these are, even the um, Wu Tang Clan, um, uh, Rizza, Ghostface, Raekwon, mm. all of them people love me. Yeah. Mm. Like, them niggas love me. I got pictures with all of them on Instagram. They be sending me my favorite. Sending me, like, verses I said and clips (laughs) and shit, like, (laughs) these dudes, like, love me for real. Like, see me in the mob, be super excited. i sent send them to Jewelers to go, to. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. Ray Coinby being Dad is, like, he got Mm -hmm. family out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's
2: crazy. That
0: ghetto gospel three, man, I can't find. I think the industry slept on that because it's incredible. Thank you. It's a really good, strong project. And, like, the storytelling is amazing. Like, where did that come from? Like, was that always part of your awesome? Were you influenced by certain rappers that were, like, great storytellers? To be honest,
2: I was influenced by DJ Screw more than anything, but like the first music video I ever seen, like for number one, I'm kind of like a rap prodigy. Like I'm like a rap phenom as far as like the skill set and the the process and the build up of being a rapper. I've done it my entire life. Like I've always practiced and perfected the skill set of. Delivering lyrics. I recorded my first song in the studio when I was six years old, wow. 1996. The first time I, the first time I stood in the studio with a real microphone and put the real headphones on my head, over my head and they closed the booth. I was six years old. Wow. Making tapes like back then they used to call them freestyle tapes, like screw tapes, like a DJ screw yeah, tape. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like that was like our, That's how culture is like. Well, you know, screw a go, He'll make a, a cassette tape. Like 15 of the hottest beats and the hottest songs that's out, slow them down, chop them up. But sometimes it would just be a, a tape of beats. And then you would freestyle over those beats. And you can go to a a, 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 a studio that is like influenced by Screw, and they'll make one for you to mm-hmm. like replicate it. So I used yeah. to go to the studio called um, Diamond Cook Studios in King's Flea Market in Houston. It's like a legendary flea market on the south side of Houston. It was the DJ, and then that DJ, uh, Wiz kid, DJ Wiz kid. He used to like make me like a five set beats. I used to maybe me, like me, Seattle, the hot boy. So you know what I'm saying? And I go in there young and rap, man. Cameraman with beans, Diamonds on my hand, Make the girl dance. I'm a California, but it feel like friends. TSL business. I'm the motherfucking man. Some shit like that. Yeah, so you yeah. just, like, you see how I just point, punk- he got on these was- you know, you know shows. Yeah. Like, taking a, the moment and then making it a, a song. Like, that's really hard to do. That's complex yeah, to do. Yeah. I've been doing it my whole life since I was a little boy. So, from recording freestyle tapes, and from six, seven, eight, nine, ten, even though no matter whatever I went through in life, I would always like find my way to the studio because I had an exceptional level of talent where people wanted me to be in that studio. Like a kid, they can rap and it's mm-hmm. exciting and shit like that. And I would buy like karaoke machines and practice. And then I started writing raps around probably when I was like nine, 10, and then I stopped writing at 15. I haven't wrote a rap since I was fifteen years old. Like, I hate writing now. Like it's like it's kind of like a kid that's been playing football or boxing since they was three years old. Pop winner, uh <laughs> PA, uh, whatever PA, BA, boxing, the silver glove, gold glove, mm-hmm. Re- regional, all the way to the Olympics. Like I've done battle rap, like whatever style mm-hmm. and form of rapping I went through. It. Mm-hmm. Cause I, it's something that I always wanted to do is rap, no matter whatever else I did in life, whether the game banging. <laughs> Uh, boxing, video games, being a nerd. Like, I've always been in like, anime and superheroes and all that other shit. Like, but I always rap. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Just, I never wanted to be a basketball player, a football player. Yeah. I'm not one of them rappers that be like, oh man, you know, I never wanted to be a rapper. I was just in the trap one day. Judge, <laughs> and my boy was like, hey, bro, you need to go here and rap, bro. I think you would kill it. No, that was never me. Yeah. I was always the, the pretty boy beating niggas up, fighting and battle rapping, rapping and clothes, the center of attention in every high school or middle yeah. school, whatever I went to, whether I was fat, skinny. I always been that boy then my whole life. No matter whatever <laughs> struggles I went through, I always been him and I always rap. Mm. So I always loved hip hop and like the power that it has and the, the way that music teaches people. You know, 90% of the things that you learn in life and 90% of the Im- information that you download in your brain is given to you through music. Mm. Mm. You learn your ABCs through what? Music. A, yeah, so B, C, D, E, F, G. You learn that through music. You learn timetables through music. You buy um, um, all advertisement and things, the commercials. Those jingles, are, jingles. Jingles. Jingles yeah. have songs yeah. with them. Every Apple, everything has a... a, a a sales pitch to a ba da ba ba ba. I'm loving it. Like every to music is like the, it's the communication to the soul and like the the, the tape recorder to the brain. It's the easiest way for the brain to retain information
1: is to put it in the song, put mm. it in the melody. And I kind of understood that young as the kid. How did you get uh, to be that point? How did you get good at painting pictures and really t- t- storytelling aspect of it? When do you think you? Got sharp with that in the process. I think I've always been able to do that. That's what I'm saying because yeah. I've
2: always been good at rapping. So when it like again, I probably started writing raps when I was like nine. I've always wrote complex raps though. Mm. Mm. I, I, my mom's my mom's a drug addict and a stripper, heroin and crack cocaine, dance strip clubs. My father's a struggling athlete and working nine to five jobs his whole life while chasing his athletic dream, trying to be a football star or a wrestler or whatever a creative idea came to his mind. My, uh, my whole other family, all my other external family is dead, drug addicts, I never met them before. I'm an only child. Like, I went through
1: shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many yeah. lives you said.
2: Mm-hmm. How is it, like, how can I not tell you about it? How can I not put this in a in a diary form, it's okay, it's like this. It's like a person that's keeping a diary, it's like a girl that wrote a diary her whole life of all her bullshit and her sad emotions. But I'm not no bitch, I'm a, I'm a nigga, I'm a gangster, I'm a man, I'm a young boy going through my life but I'm writing raps and poems and poetry about it to the point to where my fingers hurt. I don't want to write about this shit no more, it's polluting my brain. It's to the point to where I'm I'm writing so much of my experiences and things that I see going on, all br- brutality. My father paying child support for me while I lived with my dad my whole life. I was raised with him, but he was paying child support on I me. Mean, that shit don't even make sense.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. I paid off my own child support when I was 20, When I was about twenty five years mm. old, I, I finished off my own child support for my dad to him to get out of debt. Wow! I had to pay nineteen thousand dollars and a four thousand dollar little lawyer fee to pay the um, the debt that my dad owed to um, the government for, for my child support mm-hmm. for wow. me. So, like, I've been through, again, shit that if, even if I was a a, a movie writer, if I wrote scripts, if I wrote dialogue for film, I just have the brain and the capacity to just create stories and and situations and explain them in depth because I went through so much and seen through so scenic personally. And my brain was already the type of brain that has a, a huge photographic memory and a, a, a type of brain that download the situation and remember every single detail of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and
2: mm-hmm. then close my eyes, and then I, it, it just constantly playing over and over my head to when I write a song, even if I'm not going to, even if I'm freestyling writing, if I'm not going to say exactly how that happened, mm-hmm. I'm going to create a scenario in a movie, a situation to where you can vividly see just like the uh, author writing the book, he's gonna—he's not gonna just say, "Uh, it, it was raining outside and my shirt was wet." You no, know, the author's gonna say, "The cold—the cold chill of the wind blowing across my whiskers as the raindrops fell upon the side of my neck." To my for right. like, details, yeah, yeah, it's details. The, so, and yeah, with the type of trauma and bullshit a nigga seen, and then I'm trying to rap about it and, and make you feel it, what That's I, right. I felt. I can't give you a watered down version. Yeah. I can't give you an undetailed version for you to see what I'm trying to make you see. So, and that's just a skill set and a talent that I've always had. And I, I know when it's time to use it and when it's time to exploit it. And I know it's one of the things that make me better than other artists mm. is my attention to detail or the type of metaphors and punchlines that I'm able to put together while still having a. a a, a deep storyline or a plot twist it yeah. got you at a cliffhanger like the, the, the greatest movie that you're watching. Mm. But I still gave you a punchline to make you say, oh, while you hanging on the cliff for the mm-hmm. next moment. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I always looked at everything as a, as a science. I don't know, maybe that's why my dad named me, or maybe that's why my name is Albert. I've always looked at things things like from an Einstein perspective, like, mm. no matter how crazy and wild and obnoxious I am, I'm a genius at the same time, so, Poem, poetry, uh, depth, meaning, substance, in my and even when I'm rapping about the other shit, the dripping and the saucing and the, oh yeah, hey, it's just blood, yeah. No, no, I'm doing all that. If you actually listen to the words that I'm saying, it's just it's a story there too. You can close your eyes and see everything I'm saying in, in in that too. But this the ghetto gospel shit is more relatable Mm. to people around the world. More people have been through struggles or witnessed other struggles, or some people are just fascinated by the struggle because they never went through it themselves. Mm. Even if it's not relatable, sometimes it's humbling for people to hear it, or sometimes it's it's a a warning for people through music. A lot of people make a lot of their life decisions off of the music that they listen to.
0: Yeah, like, Mm -hmm. Peace Treaties serve like, as a cautionary tale slash... State of affairs wow. kind of record.
2: That man know his shit.
0: <laughs> we listen to the music. He man. know his shit. Yeah, I'm
2: popping it. I'm making grown man music. Man. Please don't get it confused because the shit you see on Instagram and YouTube, my music is grown.
0: Nah, this is real. Like he yeah, had one line that man. stuck out. He said, "Low dumbass niggas on these pills leaning. Ain't never learned no trades, but they specialize in red beaming. We killing our own. We're killing our own race, nigga. These queens need semen." Like, Man, listen. Talk about you procreation. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you could have just said, uh, just said we, these girls need to get fucked. Nah, you could
2: have been that. Yeah, right? <laughs> nah. We, yeah. we killing our own kings. We killing our own kings. Not, and we, our kings are men. And, and the, the, the kings that we have that are men that are losing their lives because of the brutality and the murders and the things that we're doing to ourselves is taking our own flesh off of the earth. So we not, it's semen, but it's also men that these mm-hmm. women need. These, these queens need yeah. semen. You know, they need the kings to come from the seas and give them that semen, plant that seed. Yeah. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Because we came from foreign seas, you know what I'm saying? It's My punchlines be having like four, five different yeah. <laughs> levels. There's
0: levels to it. There's yeah. levels
2: to it. You know, it's, that, it's that first base level. Uh, police, black comment, black people dying, the queens need semen. And then you break it down to our queens and us being kings come from overseas and these queens that are losing, the kings that are dying, we provide the semen to them because we're men of the seas. Mm. From Africa that came up, you know what I'm saying? But we going to indefinitely. <laughs> <laughs> of,
1: we gotta go there, man. You uh, know what I'm saying?
2: Well, For the, you know, it's there. If you're you willing to look past that, they say, never judge a book by its cover. If you wouldn't to look past the cover my brother. Right. It's there for you. <laughs> but
1: if you want to keep it ignorant, we can keep it ignorant. I'm <laughs> saying? Okay, it's that simple. Word. It's, it's a variety. It's a choice. When did you come up with the wee? And when did you know that was going to
2: be your signature? kind of? Man, the but... pepping made me say the ooey. The ism gave me the wee. The dripping, that's that, like, again, out the... The whole sauce shit that me and my, shout out to my twin, Sancho Saucy, like the whole yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, sauce thing came from me making that transition once I got out of jail from like, okay, because again, like I said, I was a phenom and rapping in my city. I've always been like popular. I've always been known mm-hmm. for battle rapping, rapping, freestyle competitions, whatever, just making, dropping songs, selling CDs. I did every. Process of being a rapper, I did it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so boom. When I was like 15, 16, I was doing Mode monsters. It was like a big old. It's a big Houston. You know, click culture is big in Houston for number one. Mm-hmm. Before game banging like really took over the city, it was click culture and click culture and game banging merged in Houston, basically. Mm-hmm. And what click culture is, which is in a lot of other cities, or like, it's the same difference as somebody making up their own record label, your own group. And then you have a 50, 60, uh, individuals that give that loyalty to that group and they go push that, push that brand in the city and in, in, in the streets or whatever, young and be fighting the t- territory, whatever come with it. So I had one of the biggest clicks in Houston history is Mash Mode, stars is, some shit that me and all my brothers created together and we was a part of, it. and it like it's un- it's unarguably like one of the biggest cliques in Houston culture mm-hmm. period ever. Like it's it's known. Nobody would deny that. Like, you mm-hmm. mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So with that being said, I was like one of the fake the one of the faces and forefronts of that. And um, it's a bunch of other legendary clicks as well from back then, and we would all be like, some of us was in alliance with each other, some of us would bump heads. But during that time, I was one of the only kids out of all of these cliques that had so much notoriety in the city that was rapping a lot and known for rapping. So when I went to jail from, you know, certain situations that happened during that, I caught some cases, shootouts, went to jail, was out on the news, the trade aid shit. There's a bunch of different shit that went on in my life back then over, over being a part of that. I got out of jail and I made my mind, it was like me and Brittany, my twin was one of the main ones that was on that shit, like, bro, we passed that shit, like, nigga, we stars, like, mm-hmm. the whole city you know us, like, you would've been on the news, you'd've been on CNN, you'd've been all over the world, you gonna use that to go back in the streets and do more of this dumb ass shit, like, bro, you need to rap, bitch, like, you, you him, like, bitch, we yeah. need to drip and do what we was doing. Because right before that is when, like, boom, we, like, women start changing my life a little bit and, like, making me see life different. And, like, not being so caught up in the violence and, and the glory of violence. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I started getting caught up in the glory of dressing good and going to the strip club and women admiring me. Mm-hmm. And that's when the salt started to be created. That's when the <laughs> ooh-wee's and that shit started to come. Because the flavor hit me now. We used to go to the strip club to look tough and be 50 niggas in a club with the same mm-hmm. uh, hoodie on with the words on the mesh And, yeah, we the tough guys to play our song. We gonna beat up the DJ. Mm-hmm. But then it became being the fly dudes in the club and the strippers that's getting the money from the people in the club, throwing the money to them. They trying to give the money to me to go home with me. You say you have been counting bitch money since you was 17? Since I was 17. I just told you this had when I was like 17, 18. <laughs> yeah. I even, you say, I can't make this shit up. You just, you just put it together
0: for my boss. We're doing regular
2: <laughs> conversation. You could have called me down bad. I could have said, yeah, when I was 12. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you, when I was about uh, 17, 18, going to jail, 20. Okay, now, nah, this type of shit going on, I catch a case, I go to jail. I go to jail for like three
0: years. The Judge offered you 41 years, though, Absolutely right? Absolutely
2: he did. You know what I'm saying? I had an uh, inciting riot, uh, inciting the ride, organized crime, criminal activity, assault with a deadly weapon. Damn. So in another charge, it was some other charge, but it was a, a, a shooting that happened at at TSU, mm. a um, try the truth event that he'd be doing every year, cop Trader. Oh, you got the trader, wow. yeah, the trader. I was invited to the trader again. Like I said, I was fame, I was becoming famous back then, mm-hmm. and um. It was like 2009 or something, I think. It was 2009, 2008, 2009. Mm. I was invited to perform. And, you know, long story short, you know, people tried to put me and the people that I was with in danger so I had to defend myself. Mm. And it just, it went the way it went. I ended up going, a lot of people got shot that day. I went to jail for that shit. And we all went, a lot of us went to jail. It was all on the news. It was like the third, fourth time I've been on the news. So I was like... I've been playing with my life too much, and I, I I made it through that situation by the grace of God, the grace of the universe, like, I made it through that. I still have to go to jail, but I still got my freedom back. Like, that was something to where uh, I could have been went to jail for 40 years, 50 years, 30 years, 20 years, yeah. easily, because the platform it was on, it was a high-profile case, it was on the school campus, mm-hmm. it was random people there that had nothing to do with it, that got hurt, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't my, it wasn't my doing. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, motherfuckers just don't know what they doing. So it was just wild. But you had Congress people out there, Sheila Jackson Lee, it was all type of. You know what I'm saying? It was a big ordeal. So for me to, it it, it caused a big, big, big uproar, of conversation in, in Houston outside of all the stuff that we was already known for. So like, it was a blessing for me to get out of jail and my brother be like, leave that shit, let that shit go, bro. Mm, like, yeah, like we did that, like we survived it. Now we finna fuck if they don't want to agree with us and do what we doing. Fuck them. We gonna drip this sauce. We gonna be the Chibata Boys. But this before the sauce came, <laughs> mm. we we the first name we came up outside of Maseo mall, mall Stars was the Chibata Boys. We started making money. We started having bread. And We was always like the type of people that like man, make up our own lingo to go with the lifestyle that we was living. So mm-hmm. we always want to talk different, we from Houston. Houston is, is the South, we pop shit, we talk different. Yeah. So we was a ciabatta boy, we got the bread, the, the, we got the a lettuce, the bread, the bread, the toast, and <laughs> the butter. This before the South hit, we got, we got the lettuce, the bread, we got the lettuce, the cheese, the toast, and the, the, uh, uh, the butter. Me and my brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah baby, you know what I'm saying? Hey man, you need to choose up with ciabatta the j- j- boys, they got a lot of toys, they bring you a lot of joy. You know what I'm saying? That's how we used to be, that's how we used to pop at women and stuff like, you know what I'm saying? try to get their numbers or whatever. And, uh, eventually it led to us saying sauce because like one of the girls that like contested us like going back and forth with us, like she was a nigga. Like she was a P.L. damn. So like she was popping it at us. Mm. And in the midst of that, we started saying sauce. So after the sauce came the ooh wee because <laughs> when you got the sauce, now we it <laughs> Then now we changing our actual names because the, my original rap name wasn't sauce. My original rap name was A-Walk. You know what I'm saying? Mm. A-Walk or Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Um, for MASH, hey, well, my, my twin son, his original name was Bullet. Mike D, or Bullet, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was his original rap name. So like when the sauce hit us after the Chibata boys, like we was calling each other the Chibata boys, we ain't had no new rap name. So now the sauce hit. Mm-hmm. Bitch, I'm Sauce Walker. I ain't <laughs> taking a walk off my name. That's in my real name, yeah. Albert Walker. So I ain't taking a walk <laughs> off my name. Uh, I'm Sauce Walker. Okay, you what your name gonna be? I'm Saucy, you bitch, you Sauce, I'm Saucy, nigga, bitch. This- Ten years ago, we in a hotel room with four white girls trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> For real, like some crazy shit we were living. He, like the, he had a Mexican girl at the time. Used to call him Sancho. They said the, the Spanish meaning of a Sancho is like the extra man. Look, see how she, she's laughing? See the camera? <laughs> they, do you know something back there? <laughs> it's like a known Spanish thing. It's a known Spanish yeah. thing to call a man that's always with multiple women a Sancho. Or mm. the man that your wife is cheating on you with, he's a Sancho. Mm. Mm. So like, that's what they would call my brother, Sancho. So we are like, okay, well you Sancho <laughs> sauce, you <laughs> I'm and, and Eureka, and then after that, it's, well what's gonna be our group name? The Soft Twins. Mm. <laughs> so now we become the Soft Twins. Twins and you know it just it hit from there. So as we're recording, my old friends from Mashmo would still be around me in the studio while we're mm-hmm. recording, and um, I would like experiment with new ad libs. Ooh, drill, splash, huh. trees are just saying wow because <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling the, you just feel yeah. a different type of way when beautiful women is adoring you and. Putting lotion on your skin and drying you off and your music is going well. You're going to the strip clubs. They're playing my songs. I'm feeling different. I don't want to rap about guns. I don't yeah. want to rap about beefing with this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's one of the beautiful things about me and my rap career when I came out in Houston is like, I brought something completely different. Even though I still was representing the streets and I, I, I still brought that into my music but the majority of my music was, music was about having fun, making yeah, money, energy. partying, being around beautiful women, being empowered in, 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 in your your confidence. And so when I first said, ooh, we in the studio, all my partners looked at me like I was lame, like I was crazy or something. <laughs> oh, you cheaping? bro, what, what, ooh, ain't? Man, you sound like Rick James or something, but you chipping, what what that mean, bro? I don't know this shit sound loud, though. Every artist, I'm thinking like, Every rapper got they ad-lib, yeah, and especially, yeah. you know, Jeezy, this is in that era, this is years ago. Yeah. This, yeah. I've been in rap game for 10 years, so this is when I'm putting it together. This is 2009, mm-hmm. eight. this is 14, 15 years ago. Rick Ross and Jeezy, them, them boys, it's, it's, I think I'm Big Misha, huh? Larry Hoover, huh? Mm-hmm. You know, Jeezy, yeah, I needed me one. <laughs> hey, I needed me one. <laughs> it was Jewel Santana, I. Right. So it, I was going through my sound files in my head, and you know,
0: something
2: just made me say "Oui." And I, to be real, the first time I said "Oui," it wasn't even a loud one. The first time I said "Oui," it was the "Oui, Oui." I was like playing with it, trying to Uh, see where I I can land it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was saying "Drip." Dripping Splash came before we, mm. me saying like drip and sauce, and I'm dripping the sauce. And then I was younger then too, so around that time, like, again, I was trying to get off of the lyricism, off of the bars, doing the bars so much. So I was singing in the studio back then, like, mm. we would use auto-tune. I really, I've always hated auto-tune, like, my whole artistry, but my brother loved auto-tune. He loved singing, mm. so... Sancho would make me sing, and, and like the ooh uh, we would go good on the auto tune sometimes. So I experiment with it. And then I, anything I say in the booth, I'm finna go say it in real life. Mm-hmm. So now when I go out to the club, mm-hmm. or when I go around women or something, this my new ooh hey, hey, where you going, girl? Get up off them heels and jump in these hot wheels, so we can pay these bills and show these yeah, baby. i I'm the attraction like Michael Jackson. Oh, hey! <laughs> we are doing all that shit. What? What? Because that's the name of the game. It's, yeah. it's to make the chess player get out of the position. <laughs> that's the name <laughs> of the game. You know what I'm saying? If I make you grin, you in. If I can make you turn your head, then that's bad. That's just what my goal was. <laughs> so the we just, it worked so well. It was such an attention grabber. And you know how people say, if, if you don't got haters, then you ain't doing something right? Yep. Oh, yeah, we know about that. So, <laughs> for me to hear that from people, that, from brothers and people that I love, when I know, like, I rap way better than y'all, I know for a fact that some of y'all have learned how to rap better from rapping with me, because I've been, the, I've always been the one in my group to be like, hey, y'all, this rapper, we need to go do a photo shoot, or we need to go get an album cover made, or we need to upload on YouTube. I've been on YouTube since 2014, bro. Mm. Now, you can go your laptop right now and look up Sauce SauceWalk on YouTube. I've been doing this for... <laughs> When I was not, well, not 2000, whenever that shit first came out, 14, 15, whatever it was, what it was, the 14, was it 13, 12? When YouTube first came out, YouTube I was on there. YouTube is around, like, maybe 2006, maybe? Okay, well, 2006, well, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. I was on
0: there. <laughs> it was
2: on there. I was on there. 2006, gotcha. 2004, whenever it was. Yeah. Same time they was cranked in, same time they was out there. <laughs> I was on YouTube, MySpace. I was there. Mm. Put it up right now. It's going to say 17 years, 15 years ago. Whatever it is, I was there. I already knew that. Doing videos and concerts, and I was, I've been, again, I've been performing on stages since I was, I don't know, 11, 12. I've been recording since I was six, so I always understand. I hated that, like, we're not gonna record music just for us to listen to it, like friends, mm. partners. That's lame. I'm not gonna re- sit up here and we just record music and we just all ride around listening to ourselves all day. So it was like, I always had a, a different expert opinion about music. And I was the first one to get on the radio. I was had, by the time I started saying Ooh We, I had already been on the radio in Houston already. Mm-hmm. I had been I had been on a Swisher Switch House uh mixtape up and smoke uh with uh DJ Michael Watts. It was a song called uh Ace Time or Blow Joe. So Ace Time, Blow Joe, something me and Beretta Black, I uh one of them old-school switch outs, so Michael Watts is trying to sign me. Michael Watts has been trying to sign me since I was like 15 years old, 16 years old. Uh, but I was, salute Michael yeah. 5,000 Watts though. I love him to death. He's like one of those people that I give honor and, and credit to, to helping my career as yeah. me growing up. Like, he's always supporting my career. But, but yeah, I, like, I've always been one of those phenoms in music. So when my friends, he's telling me like, bro, that shit weak, that shit suck. And I'm like, huh? Y'all nah, hating, but I don't give a damn. But I love you to death. You hating. Like, I know this is gonna work. I know this is good. Yeah. Like, you cannot tell me that it's not gonna work. And that's just like one of the moments where I went through life where like I started have started to have this separation because of greatness. Like you 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 can't take everybody with you, or you're gonna go to a different level and platform where everybody can't go with you. Yeah. And it's crazy that something as simple as small as my ad lives and my rap style and the way I changed from just being a being a gangster or a street gangbanger rapper or just yeah. having that persona mm-hmm. and that image and that that mentality 24 hours a day to to the to the dripping and the saucing mm-hmm. and some of my real friends didn't want to be around that shit. Like me and my twin, me and such over there. Mm-hmm. And y'all know some different shit, bro. Y'all tripping, we ain't doing that like woo But I became a millionaire. Mm. I became a Houston he was, legend. Right. He was Right. Right. I was right. I brought <laughs> a rap style to Houston that didn't exist. Yeah. I bought a genre to uh, genre of music to the south, the sauce, the drip, the the the, the, the pimping, the 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 flavor, the 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 you know that
1: the the, the drip rap is yeah. drip hop. You <laughs> spoke about, brought, about, about like top. to the game. You spoke about like how a lot of times people take the influence from Houston, but don't really embrace the Houston artists enough, and also there's challenges of being a Houston artist to kind of break national, right, to get out of just being successful in the local mm-hmm. region. Can you speak to that and the challenges you faced?
2: You know, we just don't have the same platforms and we don't have the same offices available. You, we don't have big corporate record labels that's right down street in downtown Houston that's going to provide you with finances or is going to provide you with record label services or uh, certain events, certain festivals. Um, the Rolling Louds, the Lollapaloozas, the, you know, whatever. Just, you know, that's why it was such a rare... Uh, opportunity and experience for me to meet you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So prematurely in my career, because you got to think you like a myth or a legend to people. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot Wilson, this motherfucker ain't streets. never see you. <laughs> motherfucker, yeah. never see you in uh, in real life yeah. as an actual human being. When yeah. I met you ten years early, ago early. And more than ten years ago at the, yeah. at the beginning, beginning of my career. Yeah. So it's like it was certain things like that. They always let me know I was special because I can get through. I've always had the ability to get through certain doors when you have that little fragment of opportunity and space to do it. But that's the problem for people in Houston is we all— Especially before my coming. Now that you have you something broke, you like me. You broke some doors down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, of course. Obviously, yeah. look how many people got deals now. Look how many people got mm-hmm. opportunities now. How, you know what I'm saying? You, I think I was the first person in Jay-Z offer opportunity to in Houston to yeah. be a part of Rock Nation. Mm-hmm. Again, Jay-Z changed my life, helped my career, did something for me. It's a direction changing and a, a elevation of my career undeniably. Mm-hmm. Uh him putting me on that 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 Is the title remembers? list. Yeah, the, yeah. the title yeah. list. Yep. Right. So that just that achievement amongst all the other things that I did for the music industry, for the Houston and the Texas industry, industry. and then also knowing that too, I put the entire Texas on my back. So it was like all the Dallas artists, all the Dallas DJs, all the Houston DJs, as soon as I got light, I took that light to everybody. I started making songs with everybody. I started, you know, doing blogs with everybody to say Cheese TV's and all these different platforms. Like I, I, I took my power and I spread it around to everybody. So you have to understand before that, what can we do? Mm. We didn't have a say Cheese. We didn't have a Sean Cotton. We didn't have South by Southwest was brand new. Mm-hmm. And not only South by South being brand new, it wasn't, it it wasn't even in this powerful state to where it can help a Texas artist, if anything, it was more or less helping the the bigger artists that was like you I think the what made South by Southwest Southwest the year that Kanye West and Jay-Z and all those yep. people came. That shit was way, way long time ago. That ain't mm-hmm. it's not what's happening now. Now it's a thing for new artists. So again, it was so hard to be from Houston and blow up and have the opportunity if you're not going to get on a plane and travel to somewhere else. And and also without the internet being involved, the internet has become so powerful now, so prominent to where the instant gratification has allowed rental labels and companies to find invested interest in people and reach out to them. Instagram and Twitter wasn't as, I don't know what's the word to use for it. It just wasn't as, it, it didn't have the same capability of, bridging the gap between celebrities or up-and-coming celebrities and record labels because everybody wasn't so open to the engagement and the conversation there at first. Because things were different. You remember how Instagram used to be. So with that being said, Houston just was one of those places that we've always had the talent. We've always had the market. We've always had the the rich culture and, and creativity being created there. But we never had or uh, DJ Khaled or, uh, you know, whoever, to come to our city and actually work with artists and work with producers and work with people in the city to where they for when the platinum record is made or a huge music video is done or a, a company such as Buffalo Wild Wings, Sprite, or Target or whatever wants to do a commercial or advertisement rollout behind these three artists in this particular um, ad that we're doing behind this song. Houston missed those opportunities until the likes of Sauce Walker and Travis Scott. Mm. Like until we kind of like pushed that door down like from different spectrums though, but still for just the styles. Seniors, yeah, yeah, different yeah. styles, different spectrums, but just opening up those same type of doors where people feel comfortable or feel like, okay, it is a lot of opportunity that I'm missing out on for not going to Houston and going to Texas and seeing the new talent and seeing the new artists. And then people put us in certain boxes as well that we can only make a certain type of music. Mm. Yeah. So that was another thing that why I said again, it was so big for me to come and introduce certain level of lyricism, certain style of lyricism, uh, different subject matters, different substance, different complexity, but at the same time, make exciting music and fun music and music that has replay value that people that's between the ages of 15 to 21 want to listen to. Because if you don't have the youth, you don't have nothing anyway. Mm -hmm. Because when you have the youth, the youth will grow up and mature and still listen to music that they felt was timeless and as they get into their adult form and want to listen to that style of music. So I feel like, you know, and then we never had a bunch of big, big record labels that's just right there in the middle of the city that's like hometown record labels. You know, we have our few that do do what Mm they've done and salute to those record labels that Mm -hmm. have done what they've done for the city. But you know what I mean? It just wasn't an ample... A lot, but if you didn't go through, you know, the few ones that there is, the Rapalas, the Swisher House, it go dead after that. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that many. Directions people have this right here in your backyard to say, you know, you got great talent. I'm gonna take you to 106 in Park tomorrow. We never had that. Right. Yeah, yeah. But if you're from Atlanta, you're from New York, you're from the West Coast. No matter how much they may personally complain, they have that along with the hometown spirit support. Mm. That's a whole nother playing field. The radio support that these other regions have, Texas doesn't have it. Mm. Our, our radio and and, and our um, majority of the DJ system how it's ran is not hometown push is more or less corporate. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're gonna play a lot of out-of-town music or they're gonna play uh whatever the, the the record labels or the 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 radio um the the radio operators or people that like send music around, they play what's syndicated, what's sent to them. They don't play what's hot and what they have to discover what's the hottest thing in the club mm-hmm. or, or even if it's not the hottest thing in the club, you're a DJ that's from this city from this state, the hometown pride in you to want to see your city, your sound, your yeah. culture.
1: Hit the main stage. Hit
2: the main stage and have a fighting chance to compete. Just like sports, you is you have a, a responsibility and a duty to do that. And Texas, most people that's in power in Texas prior to how it is maybe now, and we still deal with that a little bit, they wasn't doing it. Whereas a New York is gonna make sure you know about Bing Bong. If it's Bing Bomb, <laughs> we got to make sure you know about Bing Bomb. If it's Ice Spice, we going to make sure you know about Ice Spice. Yeah. Same thing with the West Coast. But we're working on it, in it
0: tastes it's getting better. We know about you and those Griselda guys from New York, man. And my boys. Why you work so well with Griselda? <laughs> hey, yo! <laughs> <laughs>
2: Talk to him.
0: Yeah,
2: man, I love them dudes, man, yeah. for sure. Just shout out to my boy, Westside Gun. You know, the whole um Gazelle, the family, you know what I'm saying? My boy Conway, my brother Conway, my brother from another real dude, real solid general, the robot. They call him a machine, I call him a robot, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Super <laughs> being right there, you know what I'm saying? Benny the Butcher, the rest of the guys over there, man. This, you know, they kind of like a— um
0: You're like an honorary they, member.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the same difference with, with, with them to me, you know what I'm saying? They kind of like a, a a New York, East Coast— TSF to a certain extent. And we like a uh, down south Griselda to a certain extent. You know What's TSF what stand for? The sauce family. The sauce, family. The sauce Familia. The sauce Texas familiar. shit forever. Mm. The seasoning federation. You know what I'm saying? It got multiple, <laughs> multiple reasons. I you mean know, multiple, multiple <laughs> definitions for TSF, but you know it's the sauce familia. You know what I'm saying? Texas boys. But uh outside of that, uh West really respect my lyricism and my style with like clothes and art, jewelry, and I have the same respect for him, you know what I'm mm-hmm, saying? Yeah. And I got put on to him through one of my good friends from like back then from my, my first click, I was telling you about Mesh, my, my, my boy T-Stacks, Free T-Stacks, you feel me. And he put me on West Side Gun, I like, was like, bro, you need to listen to this nigga, West Side Gun, like he got bars and he different, like you like, and they got a crew Like you need to get on them. So I'm checking them out, I started listening to them, and instantly I, I fall in love with the music because, again, I before I ever heard West Side Gun and them, Ghetto Gospel, we already on Ghetto Gospel 2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And outside of the Ghetto Gospel series, I've also already dropped the New South City series. Mm-hmm. So I already have a, a huge established fan base of rapping on sample beats
1: mm-hmm.
2: and making classic verses to samples. Mm-hmm. So at the time that I felt that I was doing it in the South, it definitely wasn't big where I'm at mm-hmm. and what people mm-hmm. doing it at. So, and then also in New York, me just leaving New York and making a new South City album, the first one, I'm seeing the emergence of drill rap and how mm-hmm. everybody's converting to drill, drill, yep. drill, drill. drill. Yep. So all the New York artists that I was running into at the time, the people that I'm hearing from the East Coast are all drill
1: rappers.
2: They drilled out. To the point to where <laughs> I even made a drill CD and in, in honor and respect of, because like I, I went there originally to do a New York traditional style album, which is New mm-hmm. South City, and that's mm-hmm. what I did. But after me seeing like just the gravitational pull on the drill shit, you feel me, and all the young people that I'm meeting in New York, all the drilling and love the drill music, it's like, damn, yeah. they, and they pushing the beats on me, like, man, why, <laughs> you a killer. You rap so good, you a killer, show, yo. you a killer. Like, you a killer. So, I end up doing it, but it made me realize, like, okay, damn, like, lyricism or just straight bars or rapping on uh, sample beats is finna be a, a lost art form even up top mm. mm. because of how much the influence is of selling records and, and making big moments, um, like how the South is doing with hit mm. records. Yeah. So when I finally discovered Gazelle, it was like a breath of fresh air. It's like, mm. damn it's a new Jadakiss, it's a new fabulous, it's a new, mm-hmm. like, I can really appreciate hip hop again, but be a fan of what's going on right now. Yep. They're not talking about some old school shit that I can't relate to, they're mm-hmm. talking about things that's happening right now that we're going through right now, mm-hmm. but they got the lyrics. So as I, and then another big thing, like I said earlier, the screw culture, the screw shit is big to us. So any music that I like and fall in love with, I'm gonna get it slowed up. Even if
1: <laughs> even, even, I'm
2: gonna look forward to already be on the internet slowed up, yeah. so I'm gonna go, go to a, a DJ that I personally rock out with and I'm gonna have them slow the music up. Yeah. So I start getting the West Side music and stuff slowed up. And after I got it slowed up, now I'm really a fan of it, I'm really getting to the beats of it. Yeah. I, I end up, Westside reached out to me to do a song so now I, I did the, the first song we did, the Houston versus Rockets song. Houston versus Rockets, right. Right, because I, I started liking, bro, pictures, and I, now I like, y'all alive, I'm just liking this picture. He hit me like, bro, yo, Sauce, you been a goat. I, I fuck with you, yo, you, man, bro, ooh, ooh, man, I love your cars, I'm going to come to Houston. I'm <laughs> I'm getting drip from Johnny, dang, you got to pull up. And the love was just organic. So it's like, I, I met up with him at the mall, we was chilling, buying <laughs> shit, balling, and talking about whatever. So boom, I do the Houston Rockets song for He sent me the Houston Rockets versus Rockets, uh Houston versus Lakers song. Mm-hmm. Boom, that we dropped the song, it got crazy, people love it. And he he opened up a, another, another door for me in, yeah. the, in, the, in the lyrical space and in the true hip-hop space because they got a different fan base as a whole different type of cult yeah. fan base as well, and yeah. then expand to overseas. Yeah. So I'm getting all of these different people that just like so amazed by. The complexity and the, 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 the lyricism of my verse and the things that I was saying, it just it just created a whole new fan base and a whole new feeling on the internet. Cause you know, everything that happened in music could go to the internet, and that's where they, they they argue and dispute and, and enjoy it. So it's all on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's all TSF from Gazelle, It's all Swap and Gazelle, woo So now that I'm listening to their songs and I'm screwing them up, I had a favorite song of theirs <laughs> that was called RP Bobby. And that's uh West Side Gun and Conway. Mm-hmm. And I just loved this beat. The beat was just so beautiful to me. Like the sample that was on it. And I used to listen to it in one of my drop top um 65 Capile Benches on Swangles. I used to, every time I drove that car, I would have to lift the top down and ride to that song slowly throughout the city to the point to where. I said, I'm not going to just keep listening to this beat. I got to rap on it. Mm. <laughs> so I rapped on that beat. that. was Derringer beat, right? Yeah. It beat. This okay. is what created this relationship. Oh, wow. This yep. is how it led up to that. Yep. I rapped on the beat, and I shot the video to it. And I changed the title from R.I.P. Bobby to R.I.P. Buddy. Mm. So I released the song on World Star Hip Hop. This is probably one of my last videos I dropped on World Star Hip Hop on YouTube. And shit got like five million views or something. But in the when it first came out, it, it had like two or three million views quick. And Alchemist reached out to me, not Danger. Mm. Uh-uh. Alchemist reached out to me. And he was like, yo, bro, you are incredible. We love you. Like we listen to your music all the time. That beat that you wrapped on is like my predecessor. Like that's my that's my little brother. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Danger, like, I really wanna see y'all work together. And me and you gonna work together too. Like, man, whenever you in LA or New York. Reach out to me. Mm -hmm. So the relationship just kept growing from that point to where I kept working with West. I ended up being on another West album. Mm -hmm. He put me on two different albums, so I got blessed, I'm on another album again. And it was a big, Mm -hmm. big thing. I did another incredible verse to where now, they invited me to perform on one of their tours in New York. So I flew out to New York. I I did a a stage set with him, Stove, God, and Conway. Oh. And uh, again, now I mean a whole bunch of other New York legends that I respect them and they artistry. So now I mean Lloyd Banks and I'm getting all this <laughs> love. And I'm like, bro, you Lloyd Banks, nigga. <laughs> I was in middle school listening, you, you Banks. And <laughs> Yayo in there mm-hmm. and Fab, Jay the Kids. you know, Jim Jones is been my brother, like Jim, yeah. Man, No, them been my boys. They've been rocking out like, with me on some other shit, plus the music though. Like, them, like, people that I always like. Give me knowledge, game, and flowers, or have my back when I'm in New York. Make sure I'm around right company, or you know what I'm saying. Make yeah. sure I'm good, whatever where I'm at. Just telling me who to be with or who not to be, whatever. Like then my boys, I was like the Beyond music and with music, some of them other people that I was meeting that night was like, you know what I'm saying. It was it, it, it was just like again humbling for these people to know me and know my songs like by detail. Oh, when you did this one verse, or that one, Brendan had a baby song that was crazy. How you flipped the two five woo. So, uh, Alchemist walked up to me, mm.
0: and
2: Alchemist walked up to me like, "Yo, this sauce is me. I'm whole shit." Alchemist album, he like, uh, first thing I'm asking like, "Man, when we gonna get some work in? Let's do an album. I'll do an album with <laughs> you." Like, "What we doing?" He like, "Man, we gonna do an album. Trust me. Like, I wanna do an album. Me, me, Action saying, Earl Sweatshirt. You, Earl Sweatshirt, favorite rapper. That's mm-hmm. this what that's what Alchemist tell me. Mm-hmm. And I end up meeting Earl Sweatshirt afterwards. Whatever. Like, yeah, you Earl." Switch that favorite rapper, like, we listen to you every day at the studio. Ooh, but the way you and Danger sound together, like, we just stuck on that, like, yeah. so please give me an album of that, and then after you give me an album of this right here, then <laughs> me and you gonna do a whole album. I send you a beat song right now, but, like, you, like that song that you did, because the song did well, the one I did, mm-hmm. And, like, that again, I also brought a whole nother crowd to them. I brought mm-hmm. a whole nother mm-hmm. fan base to Gazetta just like they did to me. I brought that same thing to them. Yeah. And especially the producers as well. Because any video that I shoot, getting millions of views. But this particular one did really well. So, they're like, man. And I had dropped another song after that called Without You, rapping about my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Alchemist was like, man, that's, that's our favorite song right now, Without You. And we was thinking about making a beat similar to that. And we we want you to rap on me and him made it together. So then I was like, man, I'm gonna do the album for you. Mm-hmm. So he introduced me to Danger. Danger set up a studio session that night, and they played me the beat that they had like put together for me to rap on. I did it, and then from there it was it was it was it was, it was all she wrote. I got in the studio with them for like a week and a half straight after they recorded the whole album. started putting different people in that that rocked out with me that showed me little bust arounds. rhymes. I pulled them in. Pulled uh, Jaden, in, pulled in uh my boy Hell Rail mm. from uh, Dipset. Mm. I'm a, I'm a huge Dipset fan. Like that's like part of my top five. If I had to have a top five, like I try to put that whole group in it if I could. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm I'm a huge Dipset fan. Like I'm a huge screwed up click fan. Mm. And being from Texas, like groups and clicks is like a big thing to us. Yeah. So I always under that. But yeah, that's kinda like That's idea. gonna be the next project? What? Little stuff with Derringer? That's my school? next project after the project I'm finna drop right now. That that boy then, right? That boy then. That's my next album right now. Something for the summer, something for, you know, the the, the girls, the fellas, the people that's in the club, people that's having fun, people just getting money, the hustlers, you know, the ratchet females, you know, <laughs> for the youth. Some fun, you know. It's a lot of it's a lot of women empowerment in music right now. So I wanna give a little bit power, a little power back to the fellas, but also. Crowning the women and, and, and you know giving them they 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 light for having the hold on men that they have right now. Like mm. I I think it's funny. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. I like how women is like you know putting their foot on dudes' next now. Female MCs, yeah, yeah they yeah. should. That what they get.
0: <laughs> Are we gonna get another uh, ghetto gospel four this year? This December. Uh, y'all
2: probably won't get the ghetto gospel four this year, but you probably get. Maybe the Swiss Beats album by the end of the year, hopefully. Mm. But the Danger album, the Danger album is for sure. Right now it's Dead Boy Then. My next album is the album with me and Danger. And that's like really critically acclaimed. The fans been begging for that for yeah. years. Yeah. I'm trying to get the hold up off of that. A lot of the music that I'm releasing right now outside of the Dead Boy Then is like two, three years old, two years old. Mm. I just be making like timeless music to where they don't care because mm. of the message that's in
1: it. Mm. But you, they, yeah, you wouldn't think that they were two or three years old.
2: Yeah, see, you yeah, see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. You Definitely. see what
1: I'm saying? But a lot
2: of that lyrical stuff that I have, I've been sitting on it for a year, two years. Like, even the Dangerous Danger song, remember the freestyle where I was rapping yeah. in front of Maybach, how many years ago did that come out? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the block performance. On the block, right. Mm-hmm. That was at least two years ago now, and I recorded at least a full year or something before mm-hmm. that. Wow. Oh, so,
1: yeah. But, you know, with greatness, they will have patience. <laughs> <laughs> Just like. Oh, it- just like it's the perfect time you finally on the Rap Radar podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're finally on Rap Radar. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a Super Saiyan. Let me have a Super Saiyan moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we got to do a fusion. I'm
1: here.
2: Rap Radar. Ten years later, alligator. And y'all gone like a
0: wet nine later. We got to do a fusion. There you go. <laughs> Bam. You do know about that, Elliot. <laughs> I don't <know> about that. <laughs> Ah!
1: This is going to be an incredible audio experience you know, man. You, know,
2: man. you know what I'm saying A lot of people don't make it right here to the sunrise And see the beautiful California skies upon their eyes And to be happy to mesmerize You know what I'm saying If they raps and things like that You feel me It's a beautiful thing I'm, I'm, I'm humbled I'm I'm glad to be here Because a lot of people thought I wasn't going to make it I'm oh, glad you made it though, Sauce For so, sure Yeah,
1: yeah Benny. That's what it is. Which I got from Louis Vuitton dollar, man. You Louis Vuitton Oh, died? yeah, man. You know, you
2: took over been... the title? Yeah, you know, you salute the Kanye, but he's moved on to win Adidas. <laughs> you know, he's he Adidas. He got a different things right. going on. He got a lot done. I thought you get your Yeezy one, two, three, four, five, fifteen 15 season Yeezy. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to do it for the LVZ. You know, I, I like Louis Vuitton. It's one of those brands that I feel has a... a, a, a a staple in the fashion industry that's not gonna be watered down. It's never gonna go nowhere. They pieces are pieces that hold value, retain value for years to come. They don't decrease. They go up, especially if you buy the more exotic ones. And they work with people of our culture mm. directly. Mm-hmm. That people of our culture have direct influence and direct hands on to the fabrics with who they know is their biggest consumer. In know, regardless of having all the other consumers, they understand that what hip-hop is. And I think it's just always a good thing for uh, brands and, and companies so big that have so much power and so much um, influence to appreciate hip-hop and the people that's in hip-hop. So whenever I see that, I get a little bit more respect and, and love for the brand. But I always like Louis Vuitton anyway. People notice I can wear anything and make it look good. I can wear merch. Merch, merchandise and, and Somebody's <laughs> clothing line That they started From the ground up And make it look like Louis Like I just did the other day On that freestyle With Meek Mills Shout out oh, to that's, Meek that's, Mills Yeah that's big right now You
1: and Meek, Meek Mills G Herbo right yeah, yeah yeah
2: I was wearing twenty eight, twenty eight Right there That was some Texas clothes Looking like it was Louis Vuitton mm. But yeah that was That was a great moment Right there with Meek Mills And them freestyling Putting on for the Great state of Texas At the Gilly Fest Shout out to Gilly mm-hmm. Shout out yeah, Gilly saying, Shout out to my man You know what I'm saying Wild out of the family But um my label, man, TSF Business, I got a big record label that I, I started from the ground up. I got about 50 artists on my record label, mm-hmm. all running through my distribu- uh, distro. Um, got Peso Peso, Hardest S.A. Ever, Saucewood Winning, uh, Fifth for J.P., VucciP, P., uh, Sauce Gohan from Chicago. That's my, my blood relative, my, my mom's brother's son. He's an emerging superstar. He got a lot of, got a lot of good, good oh. traction going for himself. I got so many artists on my record like, but My brother Sosa Man, uh, Sancho Saucy. He's just doing a lot of good stuff. I'm trying to build the next Wu-Tang. I'm trying to build the next empire, mm. you know, and just be successful, make great music, make great memories, and just teach what I can when I can, but at the same time, not be too serious about it. I feel like two people are too serious about this shit sometimes, you know? Word. It's, it's definitely business and something to be taken serious, but it's also something meant to be enjoyed. I like do. having fun with it. We, we enjoy enjoyed it. this, man. Definitely. Sauce so Walker. Yeah, man, it's me again, man. <laughs> sauce Walker, the sauce talker, you know what I'm saying? Fly as Tony Hawker, you know what I'm saying? Never been a female stalker, but a foreign <laughs> car parker. You know what I'm talking about? Ooh, wee you know what I'm saying? Special to the floor, if you got to know. I'm on the Eddie Wilson Show and the Rap Radar. What's your name, my black man? is B-Dot. B-Dot. B-Dot, we-Dot, we-Dot. we'll never forget. Punks, we not. You know what I'm saying? Peons, <laughs> we not. You know what I'm saying? We real champs over here. You know what I'm saying? Real champions. Championship podcast. You know what I'm Championship podcast. Shout out to Devin Haney. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Owee.
0: Rap Radar podcast. Yeah. Ooh, Rap Radar is Interval Presents original production from Hyper House, produced by Laura Wasser. Hosts and producers, Elliot Wilson and Brian B. Dot Miller. From Interval Presents, executive producers, Alan Coy and Jake Kleinberg. Executive producer, Paul Rosenberg. Editing and sound design by Dylan Alexander Freeman. Recording engineer, Jeremy Ogletree. Special thanks to Shardae Jenkins, Tammy Kim, and Jasmine Sanchez. Operations lead, Sarah Yu. Business development lead, Sheffy Allen Swag. And marketing lead, Samara Still. Make sure to follow Rap Radar or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.